Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. A lovely day to take your dog for a walk. And a lovely weekend to take your dog. Gosh, there's a lot of uh, really fun stuff going on this weekend. Take your pick, pretty much. Um, The Seattle Pet Expo is this weekend on Saturday from 10 to 6 at uh, Seattle Center, the Seattle Center Exhibition Hall. And that's indoors, so even if it's not <laughs> nice that's outside, right. still be lovely. Yep, indoors. And you can, they are encouraging you, and I find this interesting. I'm a little apprehensive, I'm going to be honest. They encourage, it's so it's the Seattle Pet Expo, so it's not just dogs. And they encourage you to bring your pet. So, oh. I Like I said, I'm a little apprehensive. You know, it's one thing to have a whole bunch of dogs, and that alone can be uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes people, you know, maybe bring dogs that don't do well in those types of environments. It'll be chaotic, to say the least, and crowded. And it's a lot to ask a dog to be in that type of environment um, alone, and then let alone, you know, are the, are the dogs, you know, friendly or comfortable with other dogs on leash? Because, of course, everybody has to be on a leash. And and that's not always the case, too. And, you know, it just leaves a lot up to judgment and um, of people and their, you know, as to whether it's a good idea to bring their dog or not. And so... <laughs> Like I said, I'm a little apprehensive of that. But now there, you know, this. If is... you brought your dog to the theater for maybe the Hound of the Baskervilles night, then maybe that's a good idea. More manageable. <laughs> idea knowing that your dog is is manageable, if he can sit through a play, sure. <laughs> then it might be able to do that. Yes, and that's a much smaller venue. And I think they specify, you know, please, friendly dogs, you know. But mm-hmm. you know, the dogs do do some barking and stuff like that. But this is the pet expo, so I'm thinking. You know, are people going to, like, be bringing their cats and ferrets and <laughs> rabbits? That and could be a recipe for trouble. Birds and, yeah. Um, well, it is, come and find out, because I'll be there. It's Saturday, April 26th. That's this Saturday from 10 to 6, Seattle Center Exhibition Hall. Free admission. Bring your pet. Uh it says, please note, all pets must be on a fixed lead or in a carrier with proof of age-appropriate vaccinations, please. Um, but there is a ton going on at this thing. Um, the website, if you want to check it out, is seattlepetexpo.com. Um, I'm going to be there for the City Dog Magazine cover model search, which is happening at 3.15. And... Um, it's at uh, anybody can enter. It's $10 to register your dog, and you get to walk your dog up onto the stage. And um, I'll, I'm emceeing the event, so I'll read, you know, announce your dog and give a little bit of information about your dog. And then there will be judges there who will vote, um, and your dog will be entered in if your dog wins or is voted on um, to move on basically in the cover model search competition and the winner will be on the cover of city dog magazine 
um, their first issue of 2015. So that's how how cool would that be to have your dog on the cover? Well, that's what the cover model search is about. And of course, it's raising money for a great organization. All the proceeds go to Old Dog Haven, which is a local nonprofit that gives homes to dogs, finds homes to dogs, whether they be permanent homes or foster homes until they can be placed for old dogs, regardless of how long they have left in their bodies, which I think is um, such a wonderful organization. So the proceeds will benefit Old Dog Haven for that. So I'll be emceeing the event. It starts at 315, and you can register at the City Dog Magazine booth. And um, I think you can register, you know, in, in the afternoon, starting in the afternoon. So do come by and check it out. There is otherwise just a ton of stuff going on. The There's a talent pet. Well, there's agility demonstrations, a pet talent contest, a pet costume contest, pet owner musical chairs, adoption events, um, Shorty Rossi, who's the star of the TV show Pit Boss. He's going to be there with his dog, Hercules. Um, of course, the City Dog Magazine cover model search. Um, vendors. Lots of demonstrations also. There's a lot of um, uh, like informational talks that are being given throughout the day. And all of this is on their website, which is seattlepetexpo.com. So check it out. 10 to 6 this Saturday. Wish me luck. <laughs> you know, I was at an event, a dog event, and somebody had a ferret on leash. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show. I, I don't recall you telling this story. Yeah, she had a ferret on the ground on a leash with a harness on. And I was mm. like, oh, God, that little ferret is, I mean, <laughs> you you're, know. You're bringing the prey into exactly the hunter's den. Exactly. I mean, some some dogs certainly more than others, but there is such a thing as prey drive. And I'll tell you, I went over and, you know, sort of suggested that she lift her ferret off the ground when three greyhounds walked in because those guys, will, any small, quick-moving anything on the ground can be trou- in trouble around a greyhound because... That's what they're bred to do, yeah, right? And yeah. sight. So, anyway, I'm a little nervous, Eric. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's going to be fun, though. Lots yeah. going on, like I said. You can check it out, seattlepetexpo.com. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fun. I hope so. Well, I know it'll be fun, but I'll just be nervous looking at all the dogs that are like the tongues hanging down at the ground, stressed out and stuff. But, you know, and that's the thing, like as I don't mean to sound cynical, but um, I guess I sort of am because there's, you know, it's especially in the warm weather and it is the season. I mean, it's starting. There's events happening all the time that the which is great you know lots of great events going on in the area anything you can imagine pretty much will be going on starting now and through the summer and um you know some of these events you can bring your dog to and you just want to be sensitive to your dog and their level of stress and you know if your dog's tongue is hanging down and it's panting rapidly and and it's not not necessarily the heat it can they can do that for stress or you know shaking tail tucked 
scooting around, getting getting stumbled over if it's a little dog or stepped on. If you know, I mean, so just be kind of be on the lookout for your dog, and it might be a good idea you think to bring your dog. But if you asked your dog, do you think your dog would be psyched to go to these events? So just be sensitive to them. And, um, you know, if you take your dog, if you're not sure and you take your dog to the Seattle Pet Expo, for example, and they just seem like a hot mess the whole time, then maybe your dog, it's just not your dog's thing. And that's okay. You can just go without your dog and bring your dog home all of the goodies that you pick up at these events. And certainly if your dog has, you know, aggression issues around other dogs, which is very common, um, you know, just not a good idea. Set everybody up for success. And maybe the best thing is to leave them home. That said, I'm sure it's going to be jam-packed with pets of all sorts. um, And I'm really looking forward to um, being a part of this event with City Dog Magazine, the cover dog model search, which will be going on in the afternoon um, like I said, I believe that starts at 3.15 and you can register your dog. It's only $10. Registration fee goes to um, support Old Dog Haven. There's another event this weekend that is with um, Independence Guide Dogs. So they are a local nonprofit organization. I've interviewed the founder, Toby Willis, on the show um, several months ago now, and um, you know, talking about Independence Guide Dogs, it's a new organization, and they are getting ready to place their first two guide dogs um, that have been trained through the organization, and also Toby's um, Toby is partnered with a guide dog Zakai, who is a German Shepherd. And Zakai is retiring and is going to live with his puppy raisers in Connecticut, which I think is really sweet. And I'm actually in this next segment going to talk with Toby um, about the event that's coming up this weekend for Independence Guide Dogs in the evening, I believe, um, on Saturday in Seattle in Mount Baker neighborhood. And we'll also talk about Zakai's retirement and um, and the event that's coming up there. Hey, Eric. Um, so you know I'm a Seattle Storm fan, which is the women's professional basketball team. Seattle's mm-hmm. WNBA. That's right. Well, we also have a women's professional soccer team. That's right. Uh, the the Sounders. Uh, no. No. Not not the sound. So I think there's like a lady Sounders yeah, or yeah. women Sounders, but that's Absolutely. actually they're actually not professional. Oh, okay. Seattle has a professional women's soccer team, and they're called Seattle Rain. I did not know that. R e i g n. Okay. And you know we have some like big name Olympic like players. Mm-hmm. Hope Solo is our goalie. And Megan Rapino is on the team also, and a whole bunch of other really just world-class players. And their season is going on now. It just started. And um, I hear that one of the players, at least, is kind of a dog fanatic. So working, cool. I'm working on that. Maybe we can get her on the show. Yeah, working on it. But check out the Seattle Rain if you're a soccer fan or just a women's sports fan. Um, always inspiring to see women performing at this level, um, and uh, it's rainfc.com, R-E-I-G-N-F-C.com, a women's professional 
soccer team here in Seattle. Uh, okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Toby Willis of Independence Guide Dogs. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Hey Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiance said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to my favorite odor neutralizer, Anti-Icky Poo, we cover the world of animals. This week, April 27th, it's the last Sunday of the month, and that means it's a shelter, rescue sanctuary, and anything that helps our animal friends Sunday. We'll check in with our regulars, birds, birds, and horses, plus we'll get an update on the Oso landslide and its effects on local animals. Join me for Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Going against the grain has never been so much fun. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and we're back with Toby Willis, who is the founder of Independence Guide Dogs. Toby, welcome back to The Dog Show. Thanks, Julie. It's good to be here again. Yeah, I think it was about a year ago I was on promoting this same event. I can't believe that <laughs> it was a year. I was trying to think about it in the last segment. I was like, several months? I don't know. Time mm-hmm. flies. It does. So you guys have a lot going on. Um, you're about to place your first two guide dogs, is that right? That's correct. Dazzler and Bozzy. Cool. A female and male. Yep, and those are both German Shepherds. That's correct. We specialize in the German Shepherd dog because they are becoming increasingly difficult for blind people to get mm. as guide dogs. Uh huh. And why is that? Uh, the Shepherd offers several challenges for for training and 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 uh, matching with a blind person. Not not all uh, individuals can fulfill the needs of a German Shepherd. They do mm. require quite a lot of exercise and intellectual stimulation. Yeah. So for the lethargic traveler, it's not your breed. Right. (laughs) Yeah, they're such amazing workers. Mm -hmm. And they need to feel like they have a purpose. Yeah. So it's up to us to to give them a lot of work to do. And -hmm. this was inspired by your guide dog, Zakai. 
That's true. Zakai changed my life so much eight and a half years ago when I got him from the Fidelco Guide Dog Foundation up in Connecticut uh-huh. um, that I was given my confidence back and could pursue my dreams. So I up and moved to the Northwest and started new here seven years ago. Yeah. And to realize there's a huge blind community and deaf blind community here in the Northwest, and there are no guide dog training programs headquartered here. Yeah. Um, none, none in the state at all. So, so you started uh, we, one. I started. <laughs> I started from scratch. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And that's Independence Guide Dogs, and the mm-hmm. website is igdogs.org. That's right. And so you are celebrating. Um, your uh, partnership with Zakai, who is retiring, mm-hmm. and also the fact that uh, Independence Guide Dogs is placing their first two dogs. That's um, right. All very exciting. And you have an event coming up this weekend. Uh, we do. We, we, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. We provide our service free of charge to, to any qualified blind person. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, we have to ask our friends and community to support us. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend about $25,000 per dog, yeah. which is half the industry standard, I might add. The yeah. Seeing Eye Foundation in Morristown, New Jersey, did a study in 2007 that found it cost about $52,000 to replace a guide dog. So yeah. we're doing this by two ways. We provide in-home uh, one-on-one custom training with our clients. And that might sound more expensive, but actually... Uh, the alternative of maintaining a campus with dormitories and a uh, cafeteria and, and the liability that goes along with that <clears throat> is uh, quite expensive. So by sending our trainers out to stay in a hotel for a couple of weeks down the street and you know just integrating the training, yeah, excuse me, into the client's day-to-day life, it actually is cheaper for us. And not to mention, it's a lot better yeah. uh, service model for the blind person. We believe that it's uh, not productive or it doesn't promote independence to institutionalize people to to offer them service. So we like to consider ourselves one of the very few programs in America who recognize that need. Yeah. Uh, My personal experience, I was in graduate school full-time and working full-time. There's no way I could have taken a month off to go to another state for a dog. Luckily, Fidelco is a similar model for back east, but there's no one out here doing it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, and uh, you know, with a guide dog, I mean, I think it's, it's true for just training in general, not let alone an assistance dog or a guide dog or something like that, but to have the training happen in the person's home environment so that they're getting to, you know, learn the handling skills and learn how to work with the dog as a team. That's right. In the actual environment where they're going to be living together. Right. Our program is actually called LIFE, which is an acronym, Local Instruction Familiar Environment. Yeah. And the word familiar there is key because not only uh, is the client more comfortable working or learning in their environment, but the dog is then going to reflect that disposition. The dog is going to be more comfortable because the handler is more comfortable. So it just makes for a better experience for everyone. Yeah. And it's practical. You know, we, we teach the client how to use the dog in their own roots. Yeah. So it's, it's something they can, they don't have to, you know, leave a campus in California or New York and fly home and then wonder how they apply their, what they've just learned to their daily right. routine. Right. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. 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 Take care. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and it's it and it does. It takes so much to to really properly train a an assistance dog, mm-hmm. a guide dog. Um, you know, and just to clarify too for people who might not be clear, because I think this is an area where people get confused a lot. There's differences between the people. A lot of people think that guide dogs are the only types of service dogs or assistance dogs. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, hearing mm-hmm. dogs, there's medical alert dogs, Absolutely. there's, you know, assistance dogs for people with neurological and psychological disabilities, all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And that it really takes a lot to train these dogs in a way so that they are, you know, doing doing their work effectively and properly and also really, you know, that the dogs are equipped to be successful as well. That's right. I mean, we put over 300 contact hours with an instructor and a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, about six months or so. Yeah. Uh, and we can't even start that until the dog's 12 to 14 months old. So a lot goes into the front end with the puppy raisers properly yeah. socializing the dog and yeah. and uh, exposing the dog to many of the experiences that he or she will be encountering as a guide. Yeah. You know, we have some really funny stories about puppies being afraid of shopping carts. Well, if yeah. a blind person goes shopping into the grocery store, then the yeah. dog needs to be comfortable with the shopping right. cart. So yeah. it's really important for the puppy raisers to to receive the support from our organization in order to produce the raw material for the trainers to then turn into a guide dog. Yeah. The public um, rarely understands that it's over two years to to produce a guide dog. Yeah. And so you're doing an event this weekend in Mount Baker Community Clubhouse. um, And I'm going to post this information on our site. And it's um, you can also go to the Independence Guide Dogs website for more information, igdogs.org. And so you are going to, it's sort of a farewell party for Zakai and also a a fundraiser and celebration to support Independence Guide Dogs in placing their first two dogs. Now, when does Zakai head back to Connecticut? Uh, Zakai's official retire date will be May 15th. Mm -hmm. So my girlfriend Allison and I will fly him over, um, you know, sometime around that that date. Yeah. And then are you um, going to, when we talked off air a little bit, but so you'll be without a guide dog for a, a period of time and how how will you get, you know, your next guide dog? Well, I will be one of Independence Guide Dog's clients, which is a great opportunity for our trainers to um, boss me around for for a change. <laughs> so one of the dogs that is being placed is going to you. Um, I'm on the wait list. You okay. know, I have to recuse myself from the decision. Okay. Uh, I will leave that up to the trainers for them to find me the best match. So Got it. it could be in the class that's coming up. It could be in a, in a class of dogs that would be ready this uh, late summer, early fall. Got so it. there is a possibility that I have to use a white cane this summer to, yeah. to to get around, and not something I particularly look forward to. Yeah. So what will that mean for you? What's the difference? Just in you know, sort of quickly. I know it's kind of a big question, but it it, it is. Um, I can you know very succinctly say that uh, I, I often tell people the difference between a, a, a white cane and a guide dog is that a white cane finds things, and a guide dog avoids things. Ah. So with with the white cane, you're only getting feedback from what the tip of the cane touches. Yeah. Uh, with using a guide dog, he or she can look ahead, assess a situation, 
pick the best route and then, you know, naturally and fluidly guide you through that route. Mm-hmm. So there's many times I'm avoiding pitfalls and obstacles and very dangerous situations that I don't even know are, are there. Yeah. Gosh, mm-hmm. it's, it's so such, such the a... The cane is a much slower way to travel for me. I'm yeah. sure there are blind people out there who can uh, walk as fast as I do with Zakai while using a white cane. It's I'm just not the best cane traveler. So yeah. I really, uh, after eight and a half years of using Zakai, yeah. Um, you know, like I told you off the air, he's become an extension of my body. Yeah. So I, I, I actually read the surface through his paws and know how high to pick up my feet and where to place them. Wow. Um, through the leash, I read the situational environment, you know, what's around, what's going on, are there anything that I should be aware of? You know, he's um, very intuitive and knows how to communicate to me through his body language. Mm. Wow. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, you know, that's not more uh, obvious or evident than when we go hiking. I'd like to do a lot of backcountry um, backpacking and mountaineering. Zakai is probably one of the very few guide dogs in America who's been to the top of several volcanoes in the Cascades. So wow. he is, uh, the, you know, being the German Shepherd with the with the work ethic and um, uh, durability, I guess, to, to take on those challenges, the mm-hmm. stamina. Yeah. Um, we've been very lucky to have a lot of experiences like that. And really when, you know, sighted people watch me hike and watch how he places my feet right on the flat rock where a sighted person would, are always amazed. Wow. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's true independence, is being able not just to get from point A to point B, but to actually um, do those extracurricular activities that I used to do with sight. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's such a powerful partnership and such incredible work, and I'm just blown away by the amount of training and preparation that these dogs go through to be able to do that for their handlers. Because it is, you know, I mean, it's it's quite a, I guess, quite a lot of pressure because, it, you know, there's there's a lot that they're being relied on to do properly, you know? That's, that's right. These dogs have... a a crazy amount of responsibility, and, yeah. and that's why the um, success rate is not higher than it is. Yeah. I think the industry average is about 45% success, so yeah. over half the dogs don't make it. They just don't have the yep. uh, the nerve for it because yeah. it's, it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, and important to, as part of the process, to, you know, right. be looking at. We are at... trying to raise that success rate, yeah. you know, and, and uh, therefore keep our costs down by uh, our goal is 90% success rate and uh we'll see when we get more dogs out how we how we do with that you know we're new so we don't have enough numbers to crunch to get those data but um eventually we we hope to reach a 90 percent success rate one of the things we've done to uh work toward that goal is removing the kennel environment the boarding kennel environment Mm -hmm. um which traditionally you know puppies are in the puppy raiser home till they're about 12 to 14 months old and they go live in a boarding kennel for six months while they receive two hours of training five days a week, which I thought was ridiculous. Why leave a dog in a boarding kennel environment the other 22 hours a day when they could just go back home to their puppy racers and spend the night? And yeah. So we depend on a, um army of volunteers to shuttle dogs around, but yeah. it's important for us to keep the dogs in their puppy raiser home until they are matched with a blind person. Yeah. Well, uh, we are out of time, but oh no, yeah, <laughs> just a segment. Um, but 
wanted to just have you on and um, sure. just acknowledge, you know, Zakai's retirement. Talk about the event that's coming up this weekend. Um, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Mount Baker Neighborhood Community Center, which I'll that's post. Right. Um, I'll post the address on our homepage, dogradioshow.com. And then you can also find the information on Independence Guide Dogs website, igdogs.org. And if you can't make the event in person and meet Toby and Zakai and uh, send Zakai a fond farewell, um, you can always support them just through their website. You can make a donation that That's way, true. too. Uh, well, I'll look forward to having you back, Toby, down the road and see how your new partnership is whenever that is, um, you know, whenever that happens and kind of keep up on your guys' progress, too. And uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. I look forward to meeting some of your listeners Saturday night. Yeah, that's right. And uh, when we come back from break, I'm going to be talking with Hope Animal Assisted Crisis Response. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Just to have some company to share a cup of tea with me. I take my puppy everywhere. La 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 la, I wouldn't care. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist www.sensitivedog.com Hi, I'm Martha Childress with the Natural Choice Network. Join us every Tuesday at 12.30pm right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week we invite leaders from our sustainable community to share their unique visions and valuable insights. You'll learn great tools to make your life greener, healthier, and more sustainable for generations to come. Thank you for making the Natural Choice. That's the Natural Choice Network every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Please join us. Hi, I'm Pat Pauley. Tune into my show, Get Active, each Tuesday at 12 noon on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about one of the wonderful activities in the Puget Sound region, ones that you may want to participate in. We'll focus on how adult beginners can comfortably get into all of these activities. You'll learn a lot about how you can get active. Be sure to listen. That's Get Active with me, Pat Pauley, at 12 noon each Tuesday on Alternative Talk. 1150. The search is over. You found the station that's not afraid to be different. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And we are back now with Melanie Dunbar, who's the president of Hope Animal Assistance crisis response. And I was connected to this organization through an article that a friend of mine sent me about the recent landslide up in Oso, which is north of Seattle, and how they had some uh, teams there of comfort dogs. And 
So I got connected with um, Hope and Melanie, and here we are. Melanie, welcome to the dog show. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I just thought this as a sort of very specific type of therapy dog um, and kind of talking about the wonderful work that you do in, in hard work and powerful work, uh, you know, helping workers in and people who are around these disaster areas or crisis areas and providing comfort to them. Um, but tell us a bit about hope and kind of this, this um, you know, animal-assisted crisis response industry. How long has it been around? Okay, hope um, got its roots in about 1998 um, when our founder, Cindy Ellers, responded with her um, therapy dog bear to a school shooting in Colorado mm-hmm. at Thurston High School. And she responded with another therapy team, but realized out of this that um, to be able to be ready to respond to crises and disasters, that both ends of the leash, the dog and the handlers, needed more training than mm. what therapy dogs um, are provided and also required special qualities, too, above and beyond what a typical therapy team would. So she really was the forefront of the development of animal-assisted crisis response and the training that prepares teams for that. Yeah. And so just to clarify for listeners, because this is something that people get confused a lot, and I just sort of brought this up in the world of assistance dogs and guide dogs in our last segment, because people say that it's a therapy dog or it's a service dog, and this sort of those things are interchanged, and there right. are two completely separate categories. Thera- well, and that's an exciting thing because, like, uh, animal assisted crisis response is kind of a, a whole different thing, right. too, um, because in their other work, like, our dogs all have to be therapy dogs um, for a year before they become eligible to even go through the screening process. Mm. So separate from that, but also, yeah, a very different role from the other dogs we see out there, whether they're search and rescue dogs or service dogs, detection dogs. So people often ask a lot of questions and kind of um, have a hard time wrapping their mind around it because it's a newer field, even though as Hope, we have been around almost 15 years. Yeah. So what is the, you know, as we talk about, and I think this is particularly interesting for me, the, you know, therapy dogs are where people, you know, have their dogs and they go to like a children's hospital with their dog or like a, um, uh, like senior, um, like visit like seniors in senior housing or like nursing homes and go and, and, and have like a sort of therapeutic interaction where the person and their dog are a team and they're providing the sort of service to, not to use that word, but um, to someone else as opposed Absolutely. And um, in those situations, like uh, my, my partner Gus and I, we do hospice work. We volunteer to rehab hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been part of uh, grief programming locally Mm. in terms of our therapy work. Um, But therapy work is pretty predictable. We go to the same places. You know, there's not a lot of unexpected things happening necessarily. You know, it's a place that we're familiar with. Usually we have support from staff there. Mm -hmm. Um, The travel is very, you know, limited um, generally to get there. It only lasts 
a maximum of two hours. Mm-hmm. So very different from the demands of crisis work, which could be traveling by various modes of transportation. When we were at Hurricane Sandy, we traveled on an a emergency response vehicle because they weren't letting vehicles in. They were limiting the amount of um, cars and trucks that were going onto the areas. Yeah. Rode on an emergency response vehicle. So our dogs have to be prepared for that. They have to be prepared for the stimulation that they encounter. We expose our dogs to all kinds of emergency equipment mm-hmm. um, and emergency personnel. Um, we do a lot of training with fire and police and things like that. So our dogs are used to that, um, the sounds, the scents, mm-hmm. um, all of that, the visuals, so that they're not, um, they'll become overly stressed in that situation. It becomes, you know, more routine to them. So we spend a lot of time on working on that through counter-conditioning, desensitization, things like that, because mm-hmm. we are always taking care of our partner, and we don't want them to be overstressed. Sure. And, and then also in terms of working with the people, you have yeah. a higher level intensity of emotions. Well, I was going to say, you guys have to probably go through extra training yourselves to be familiar with the sort of scene in a disaster-type situation. Absolutely. Um, we do a lot of psychological first aid training, mm. um, which we're kind of the front lines there. We're not there to provide counseling. We're there to provide comfort and support to these individuals affected. Yeah. Um, you know, we're that intervention, or we can be that bridge, too. You have people who open up when um, you're, they come in contact with your dog and start talking about what's going on, and being able to support them in that yeah. is important. We help our Handlers be comfortable dealing with people in those traumatic situations. Mm-hmm. And then also you have people who just want to hug your dog and aren't ready to talk, and that's okay, too. You mm-hmm. know, So being where they are and working on that on the handler end and also helping the dogs, too, in terms of um, just getting used to that different intensity level and in, in, um, being prepared for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we spend a lot of, of time working on that each team has to be screened. It's about a two-and-a-half-hour test evaluation that they go through. And at that point, then, would go through our three-day certification workshop, which is really intensive. There's a lot of training on working in the incident command structure and, like I said, working with folks in trauma and crises. Also, us taking care of our dog, handling skills, canine stress management. Yeah. Things like that that we need to be much more on top of. Uh, but we also do a lot of hands-on stuff. We do a fire exposure. We do an airport TSA exposure. Um, during the course of that, there's a lot of hands-on engagement to practice the skills as well. Yeah. And I think it's important to, you know, point out that you have a screening process for dogs who are already therapy dogs. Right. And that, I assume, there's a reason in that <clears throat> not all dogs pass the screening process you know, oh, that it's there for a reason and that there's a lot of reasons that a dog who might be a wonderful therapy dog won't is not cut out for this kind of work. Exactly. Exactly. And that is not a negative reflection. It's just, yeah. Um, for example, I'm training my second dog right now. And if it was too stressful for him, I would not want to put him in that situation. Right. That's not fair right. to these dogs. Let them do um, and. To work at the level that they're comfortable with yep. and shine at, you know. So 
that therapy work is so important. But, yeah, you need a dog who is easily um, resilient yeah. to the stressors and stimulation, who enjoys kind of that more stimulating, chaotic environment. Yeah. Um, so a whole different thing because um, if they get overwhelmed, it's hard for them to, to do their job. Yeah. And even so. and even those dogs who 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 are great a great fit for the work, you know, you still have to be sensitive to them because it's still stressful. And so, you know, I'm sure that there's things that the teams do to kind of take care of your ability so that it's sustainable because anybody can burn out. Absolutely, we stress with our teams both, like I said, at both ends of the leash, um, in terms of taking breaks. Mm-hmm. pacing yourself we have team leaders who are folks without dogs mm-hmm. who kind of take care of the teams and we'll say okay you and gus need a break you know yep. and direct you to kind of set that because your dog will want to keep working and we want to keep working you know that's your natural instinct yeah so having to be really vigilant to, to take those regular breaks and we're constantly watching our, our partner for signs of stress yeah. so we can intervene we know our dogs inside and out and they know us inside now mm-hmm. so we have to watch their stress and then watch our own because obviously they feed off of that mm-hmm. um, both the dog and we are feeding you know are absorbing the um emotions of the situation yep. so being very on top of that to remain effective so what do you do in your breaks for example like to like especially kind of from the perspective of two relieve the dog what sort of things do you go play or just go for a walk or just hang out and be quiet or does it probably depends on the team absolutely it depends on the team we have some who it's a game of of ball yep (laughs) we have some who do nose work Mm. um i have a very non-drivey dog Mm -hmm. (laughs) he just wants some down and cuddle time and just you know a little quiet you know so it just it does depend on the team Mm -hmm. um a lot of times we find because if we are even visible, people want to engage with our dogs. Right. <laughs> so we often find we really have to remove ourselves, um, you know, to be able to get that. Yeah. So. Um, now, where, um, actually, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk more about the work that you do. I'd love to hear some stories. Um, you have, you know, teams all over the country some of the different um, specific disasters and crisis areas that you guys have been to. Um, So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back talking with Melanie Dunbar, who is the president of Hope Animal Assisted Crisis Response. And you're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. 
This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to my favorite odor neutralizer, Anti-Icky Poo, we cover the world of animals. This week, April 27th, it's the last Sunday of the month, and that means it's a shelter, rescue sanctuary, and anything that helps our Animal Friends Sunday. We'll check in with our regulars, birds, birds, and horses, plus we'll get an update on the Oso landslide and its effects on local animals. Join me for Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Hey Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiance said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. No other station brings you this much variety. Welcome to Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And we're talking with Melanie Dunbar, who is the president of HOPE. Animal Assisted Crisis Response. The website is hopeaacr.org, and you can find them on Facebook, and you can find the link to their site, if you can't write it down right now, on our homepage, which is dogradioshow.com, and I'll also post a link to them on our Facebook page as well. So we're talking about Animal Assisted Crisis Response, which is a different level of sort of therapy dog training where these dogs and and handlers are going into um, disaster areas or crisis areas like school shooting kind of thing um, and providing Melanie how would you word that of providing comfort and support or how do you you know how do you word that our actual mission statement is that um we provide comfort and encouragement through animal-assisted support to those impacted by crises and disasters. Mm. We are the, that you know, that emotional support in these situations because everybody else has their role. We're just another niche yeah. and need, you know, in these situations, whether it's those affected or first responders. Mm-hmm. So right now we have 154 teams in 23 states. We're getting ready to start our next workshop certification cycle, so... That will have us grow even more. Um, on our website, you can also see our 877 number. Mm-hmm. Anybody can request our services. They make that phone call um, and get connected with us. Okay. And um, your organization is all volunteer? Correct. We are an all-volunteer, including the board, the officers, our regional directors, to manage our five regions in terms of operations. Mm-hmm. Um, 
our Pacific Northwest regional director has obviously been very busy recently. Yeah. Um, so these people are very dedicated and do it just out of a passion yeah. for the work we do. Yeah. You know, and it's just so inspiring to me to work with these folks who are, who are so dedicated. What are some of the, um, like, national um, types of, like, disasters or crisis situations that Hope has been to? Um, 9-11. Uh-huh. Um, we had four teams that responded to that. That was at the very beginning yeah. um, of what we did because we actually became incorporated under the name at that point, even though we'd been around since 98. Um so, and also the 10-year anniversary, we had teams go back. We had two dogs who actually responded back when it happened who were able to come to the 10-year anniversary, which was exciting. Mm. But unfortunately, all of our dogs who responded have now passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, Hurricane Katrina, we responded to um, the Virginia Tech shooting incident. Mm-hmm. Um, Hurricane Sandy, the Washington Navy Yard. Recently, we spent seven weeks involved out there. Mm. Um and the loss of the 19 firefighters in Arizona mm-hmm. is another example. And sometimes we pull in multiple regions for big responses like that because some of them stretch out. Like we've been involved since March 23rd in Washington here yeah. um, and are continuing to respond currently. So teams have been rotating in and out. We've pulled teams from the Pacific Southwest region and the Rocky Mountain region as well to respond to meet the need. So we did that with these other large-scale call-outs as well. Yeah. And it's amazing just to see the response of people, and it can be anywhere from that deep emotional release to just bringing a bright spot in the midst of all Mm -hmm. the stress and trauma going on. Mm -hmm. Um, We really saw that in hurricanes. When we responded to Hurricane Sandy, we responded at the FEMA centers and also as they reopened neighborhoods. We went in. We had partnered with the Salvation Army at that point, and we went with the trucks that went around with the food and the drinks and the cleaning supplies, mm-hmm. and were able to bring a bright spot to some of these folks that were assessing their homes yeah. um, and having to get rid of almost all these belongings that had been there for generations, yeah. since most of the homes had been family-owned over several generations. And so sometimes it was very emotional. And then sometimes it was Gus doing tricks. Right, <laughs> and just, right. You know, yeah. response. And we were able to help connect. Like, people came out to see the dogs and then went and used the, the resources of Salvation Army, got a drink, got some snacks. Right. Got work gloves, trash bags, you know. Yeah. So, and I've really seen it also with, we've done a lot of um, military response, Um we responded to Fort Dix when they had uh, eight battalions returning, which was the largest since 1941. Mm-hmm. And we were there with the families waiting, you know, because it's hurry up and wait and things keep changing. Right. Several hour process. So we were there with them. And then also when the troops actually came in. So that was really awesome on so many levels mm-hmm. to be there to support the families. And we became obsolete for the ones that had families waiting as soon as. Right. You know, they returned, but then we had a battalion that did not, was not local and did not have family bringing them. Uh So it became really amazing um, to watch the dogs connect with them and then just get the sense of Mm. that comfort and connection and affection, you know, that um, to welcome them home. So that was neat. And it's amazing. We say our dogs have seeing hearts, and that crowd of 6,000 people over the course of that, it seemed like.
like, you know, our dogs know who needs them. Mm. And part of what we train is letting them do the work. You know, you can't train that mm-hmm. temperament or that desire, but they seem to know, you know, where the need is and, and who needs approach. Well, I'm looking at your website, which, again, is hopeaacr.org. I'll post a link to it on our homepage, dogradioshow.com. And you can also find them on Facebook, Hope Animal Assisted Crisis Response. And I'm looking at all of the photos that are scrolling through on your homepage. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's there's all different types of dogs, purebred, mixed breed, little dogs, big dogs, And, you know, what you just said, um, you know, there's the training and then there's what you can't train and that it's it's really these dogs that have the heart to do the work and and, you know, in this specific way. And um, it's just like you said, I mean, how you're really speaking to that these dogs know what they're there for. Absolutely. And it's just, you know, without sometimes even telling them or directing them, sometimes we just have to work to not get in their way. They know what they're doing, and it's amazing to watch them Mm. interact and provide that comfort, and we just support that. And, you know, it's it's just awesome. I'm excited. We're doing our Eastern Region certification workshop the first weekend in May, and I just love that to watch these new teams develop and, and, you know, them learn the ins and outs of this and to watch the dogs blossom and you know, um, it's so exciting. So, mm. like, my dog is, is a mutt. He came from a rescue, and um, I knew I wanted to do therapy work with him mm-hmm. because of my profession. And then it was just amazing once we started doing it and I learned about this type of work, I really saw, you know, the, the gifts that he could bring to that, you know. So, yep. yeah, it's just we, we see these dogs that are just, that have that special heart for it. Yeah. So I'm seeing, um, you know, of course, some Goldens and Labs and then like Jack Russell. Absolutely. We have Newfoundlands. We have Chihuahuas. Yeah, I see some Shih Tzus in there. Um, the whole gamut. <laughs> cool. never know, too, what we need all kinds because you never know what kind of dog is going to sure. draw somebody in, right? Yeah. So if you, you know, some people like small dogs and some situations are more appropriate for that. Yeah. For Sandy, obviously, we took mostly larger furrier dogs because it was November yeah. and it was on the ocean and it's yep. very, we were outside for six hours at a yeah. time. Good job for a newfie. That's right. Yeah. Well, I want to... I want a golden chow mix. He absolutely... Gus loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, this it is on. my kind of weather. All right, we well... We wouldn't send our greyhound or a chihuahua right. into that necessarily. It's always right. looking at what's the right fit for the situation, need, and that's what our regional directors kind of do. They assess when we get a call, mm-hmm. okay, you know, what the needs are, what is being asked for, because that's what we always want to say. What do you need from us? Yeah. Well, we are out of time, Melanie, and I want to make sure I give out your website and give out all your information. So if people are interested in getting involved or supporting your organization, again, it's hopeaacr.org. I'll post links to it everywhere that I can. You can find them on Facebook. Um, such great work. Of course, as you can hear, I could sit here and talk to you for hours longer, but unfortunately we don't have it. Thank you so much for your time today and just sharing your stories and the wonderful work that you do. And again, hopeaacr.org. And again, just to let people know the Seattle Pet Expo is this weekend. Come and say hi at the City Dog Magazine Cover Dog Model Search. I'll be emceeing the event. And thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Thank you.